0: Hey everyone, in case you haven't noticed, there is a global pandemic and a fight for racial equality going on right now.
1: So before you listen further, we encourage you to educate yourself on COVID-19 and the Black Lives Matter movement.
0: Let's work together to make this world a better place.
1: Thanks for checking us out and enjoy the show.
0: Hey everyone, and welcome to On Tour With.
1: The podcast where we go on tour with your favorite bands and talk to them about their lives on and off tour, and everything in between. I'm Jaden. And I'm Spencer. Let's hit the road. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's episode of On Tour With. Today we're going on tour with Cameron Smith from Hotel Books. Hey Cam, how you
2: doing? I'm doing good, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. We're happy to have you.
0: Yeah, what have you been up to?
2: (laughs) A A lot of quarantining. Well there you go. Yeah. Which is fun. It's just <laughs> something I chose to do on my own. No one prompted me to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably the only one out there doing it, but it's fine. No, yeah, just uh writing a ton. Just writing, writing, writing some stuff for various projects, working on Eloquilt and uh you know watching uh watching a lot of uh television.
1: <laughs> what have you been watching?
2: <laughs> oh man. I just watched the show. I I I got to uh, let me do uh some research here. I got to get it right. I got to get it right. <laughs>
0: okay. Yes.
2: It's this is important to me. I I you know, this is not a sponsor. This is just uh something I'm uh, Oh no. Oh no. Did I went on Netflix it? to look up the name and Netflix's big ad is for a show called The Flora's Lava. No, we we started watching that.
0: No, we didn't. Oh we no, started we didn't. Watching tag, ultimate Oh, tag. that's
2: right. Oh, this one is a whole TV show made of. But I watched the big flower fight. That was the name of the show. I couldn't figure out. The
0: big flower <laughs> fight. Is it a baking show or something?
2: No, no, like the other flower. They oh. make sculptures out of plants. Oh, so like what wow. they do for the Rose Bowl and stuff. Yes, yes, but it's a competition. Each week they have a different theme, and then each week uh, a a couple like a team of two gets voted off that? and uh it, every team was interesting every single team had their own perspective it was one of the best com- i don't watch a lot of competition shows like that it was so good i thought it was awesome and it's 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 a british show and
1: of course it's british there's no yeah, other and way, s- no other <laughs> thing it could be
2: it's funny too because there's like a uh, an american couple and you're like oh it's cool it's an american team and they're like we've never worked with flowers i'm an art curator at a museum and and they're like these super artsy guys who who know nothing about flowers but they're like they're just using their like sculpture background I guess so so it's like and then there's like another couple who um, it's these two guys who have been doing flowers for like you know 40 years together and then there's like people who own flower shops who are good with color and good with like blending palettes but have never made sculpture so like it's cool because it would be like if you had American Idol but instead of like, a bunch of people auditioning, you're like, let's get a singer from a rock band, let's get a singer, you know, like, like it's just like people yeah. from a completely different artistic backgrounds all coming together to compete with uh, Flowers.
1: That is amazing. I think we found our next bin show.
0: I, I think yeah. so.
2: <laughs> it, was so it was so good. Steph and I watched it uh, like an episode a night, and we just couldn't stop watching it.
0: Oh my gosh. And That's the teams awesome. are very
2: supportive of each other. Actually, it's funny, because each week they have a guest judge, and uh, one team their sculpture had some issues, so the other teams came and helped. And Aww. everyone, it's like super heartwarming, and everyone's like, Aww. you know, whoever had extra time came and helped. And then this judge is like, I don't feel comfortable judging theirs because technically they didn't build it. Okay, then. And I was like, oh well, well. I thought that was one of the more beautiful moments I've seen. But, but you, you know, okay. what
0: I- it can be ruined. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, speaking of artistic backgrounds, <laughs> what's something that kind of inspired you to get into music and into the things that you do?
2: Um, well, I started with poetry, you know, I, I'm still not a musician, <laughs> Um, never will be, but I, I don't know, like trying to be Henry Rollins as a kid and like watching, uh, you, like Henry Rollins is weird because he's most known for being, well, he's most known for being like the singer of Black Flag, but there's, you know, like a bunch of men in their 60s from Southern California who are known for being the singer of Black Flag. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, that's not, that's, there's more, there's more singers of Black Flag than there are Hotel Books fans. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> so I don't know. I just wanted to be like him. And then he started doing comedy and spoken word. And he started doing like, you know, alternative metal and stuff like that. So.
1: So what what made you make the jump from like just writing poetry to doing spoken word poetry, performing it?
2: I had a friend who was in a band, and he's like, he kind of encouraged me to try uh, memorizing a couple poems. At the time, there was a poet that was really popular in the Christian circuit named Bradley Hathaway, and he had kind of stopped touring. He used to tour with like the Chariot and I think like Norma Jean and Blindside. And he was a spoken word poet who did kind of almost use like some comedy in his poetry and very introspective. A lot of it was about the hardcore scene. And so a friend of mine was like, you should try that. And I had a, at the time, my poetry was a MySpace block. And that was the extent of my reach. So then when <laughs> yeah. I switched over to reciting, I was having trouble getting the crowd to understand what I was doing. So, like I'd come out while bands were setting up, and people thought I was just like, like, "Oh, it's like a pastor who's doing a little sermon." And so they wouldn't listen.'d go and so I was like, "Man, I, I wish they knew that I was a performer." So then I added a guitarist behind me simply to drown out just to kind of create a more engaging experience for the audience. I mean, from day one i've tried, I've tried my best to make hotel books all about serving the audience.:
0: Yeah. That's pretty cool. That transition from like going to writing poems to doing spoken word. That's just, that's a cool transition to hear. I mean, I'm not, I don't exactly listen to a lot of spoken word, but it's definitely Neither something cool to. And here I you are I, doing it. <laughs> I
2: I break people's hearts when they tell me about their favorite poets and I've never heard of them, and but like, uh, sorry. <laughs> I can't listen to spoken word because then I get the rhythms and the, the, the beats stuck in my head and mm. then I, it, it messes up my writing. So it's, you it's more just an artistic decision. Player. Yeah, like if I were to... People always are like, you gotta listen to Flat Sound. He's amazing. And it's like, yeah, yeah, But if I listen to Flat Sound for two songs, I can't write for a month because I don't know how to not think like Flat Sound because he's so good at it. This is so weird. I just did an interview today where I t- rambled about Flat Sound too long, so I'll stop there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you mentioned that you kind of... Uh, you put a guitar behind... Uh, your sound. You are kind of a two-piece band, correct? Yeah. Technically speaking. Uh, who is your guitarist?
2: Uh, Jonathan Shearer. He plays in a band called Sonos. And that's he plays all the instruments and does everything for Sonos. And then he writes the background music for Hotel Books. His main project was I'll Leave the Light On Just In Case. That was kind of the Hotel Books record that him and I were truly equals on and truly equally could Actually, even helped, uh, he's the only human ever who has helped write lyrics for Hotel Books as well.
0: That's really cool. And so from my understanding, um, in the other half of your, so you're in California, and your other half is in Ohio, right?
2: Yeah, he's in uh, Toledo. Toledo. Land of Opportunity, yes. I believe it's called. Yes, I don't think it's called You know,
0: that. I... <laughs> What I do for work, we have a lot of offices that we work with in Ohio, and I honestly never thought Ohio had a lot of
2: people. Yeah. And
0: then I looked at the populations and I was like, oh, dang.
2: I did not realize that. Well, it's weird because they have Columbus, Cincinnati, Cleveland. Like, they have big cities. Yeah, because
0: you don't think about those.
2: No, (laughs) and you don't think of those as being part of... Like, when you watch the Drew Carey show, you're not like, wow, this is so Ohio, you know? Because Cleveland is its own ecosystem. Or like even like it's so weird, like like LeBron James, no in Ohio they're like, everyone knows that he's the king of Ohio, and everyone else is like, I guess he's just you know I d I don't know. I don't they act like they're like like Mexico where they're like, We have our own culture. (laughs) And it's like, No, you don't. You're the Midwest.
0: (laughs) True. But yeah, so how do you uh with having that Cross-country split. How do you guys typically make that work when you're going on tour together?
2: It doesn't work. We're just dysfunctional. (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm going to get a bunch of people who are going to think that I'm trying to take Ohio out of the LeBron story. I'm not. (laughs) I just want to make it clear. My whole career only exists because of hardworking people from Ohio. So I don't want the... I don't want, you know, some... I don't want Reliant K writing a diss track or something. There's a lot of fine folks in Ohio doing a lot of great work. And uh, without In Vogue and and Jonathan and September Stories and a lot of great people from Ohio. There we go. I said enough. There we go.
0: There's great people in Ohio. It's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah. (laughs) All I can think of. Name one. Name one. I dare you. (laughs) A great person from Ohio. LeBron James, name it second. <laughs> Eric Egan oh, from da- Heart Attack Man. There you go. I think Dave Chappelle lives in Ohio. Oh, did I get too controversial mentioning Dave Chappelle? <laughs> Oof. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I don't know. All, all I can think about is the meme where it's like the, the spacemen up in space and they're like looking down and it's like, it's all Ohio. And it's always oh, been yeah, all yeah. Ohio. There's nothing but yeah, Ohio. Ohio is the only thing that exists.
2: Well, I think Ohio became kind of a uh, a punchline for a lot of people. Like, you make a joke of, like, if you needed a place... Like, if you need a place to say, oh, people there are, are nuts, you say Florida. Yeah. Or people there are superficial, you say California. Or everyone's on the go, you say New York. And, and then... Or, like, everyone is um, loud and everything, you say Texas. You know, there's all these, like, kind of insensitive stereotypes. And Ohio's always kind of been the one of, like... Oh, and then there's Ohio that has nothing.
0: Yeah, like, <laughs> What's but
2: Ohio? Ohio's great. I mean, they, they have the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know?
0: Yeah. Gosh, I'm learning has, so much about Ohio. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and they have the, this tour is now... A fit or this, I will say, this, their Elvis exhibit is not as good as Tennessee's, but it's still cool that they have one, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly.
2: I mean, they have the second best Elvis exhibit <laughs> in all of America.
0: And Elvis and is I pretty think, important, to, like, and you would think maybe like Hawaii would have one or something like good.
2: Yeah, without something. Elvis, what would we have listened to while watching Lilo and Stitch? True, honest to God, seriously. Probably, <laughs> what would we listened to? Probably be, t- Tiny Bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> we'd Hawaiian be listening
1: roller coaster to, uh, ride. Yeah, uh, we'd yeah. be listening to Is. You
2: can only play Is for so many songs. Actually, you know what? Now that I think about it. Wouldn't it be interesting if someone made a movie and the entire soundtrack was Brudda Is? That would actually... <laughs> that has to exist. That has to exist. Okay, <laughs> okay, but... We have not... I have not answered a single question. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> You're good. We're enjoying ourselves. <laughs>
1: it's fine. I, I just like want to keep going on the sidetrack. That's what's so bad about it.
2: <laughs> we were on a, a... Oh, we'll talk about touring. Yeah. That's what the podcast, yeah. right? All right. So we're on tour... And at the end of our Japan tour, we found out that it was cheaper to fly to Hawaii first than just fly right back to LAX. Oh, heck yeah. So Scott and I were like, let's just go to Hawaii. And uh, we went to this, like, uh, the Royal Hawaiian, which is like this hotel on the beach, really, really popular. And we snuck in, and we're not supposed to be there. <laughs> and the guy, we're looking at the menu, and they had a drink called the Hawaii 78. And I was like, oh, it's cool. And I took a picture of it. And and my guitar Scott, was like, why are you taking a picture of that? And I was like... Oh, because that's a really famous uh, Is song, and it's one of my favorite songs of all time. And I was going to send a picture back to my family to say that, oh, when we come to Royal Hawaiian, they have stuff. And then the uh, the bartender was like, hey, do you guys drink? And I was like, no, but we're just checking out the menu, and we, I love the song. And he's like, oh, are you from Hawaii? I said, no, I'm not. I just love the song. And he's like, oh, I didn't know that non-Hawaiian's in the song. So he plays the song. But the song is about... It's so depressing. Um depressing. It's like the most depressing song you could play for Hawaiians. So like <laughs> all the tourists at the bar are like, "This is a beautiful song," and the Hawaiians are getting like legit emotional. Oh the song's God. about like their land being taken. They go, "How do you feel to see highways and streetlights on sacred land?" <laughs> oh, the, isn't the chorus, I was it's like, like, I was like, why do how why did you play this? It's like it's about the the
1: ancestors weeping at the the tourist yeah, trap it that is Hawaii like, now. It's the most depressing song I've ever heard in my life. It
2: literally goes, how would they feel? Would they smile in contempt or just cry? Cry for the... What's like? Cry for the land. Cry for the people. Or no, cry for the blood. Cry for the people. Cry for the land that's been taken away. And then then you'll find Hawaii. Hawaii. (laughs) It's like... And my family is not native Hawaiian, but a lot of my family married native Hawaiians because that's where my family migrated to. And so a lot of my Chinese family and my... Portuguese family married native wines. so it's a very emotional song in my family. But I was like, I right when the bartender's like, "Yeah, we'll put it on." I'm like, "Yeah, or or we could not put it on." <laughs> Crying in the hotel lobby now. Yeah, and then he's like, the song ended and everyone's <laughs> bummed out. And he's like, "Have you heard the Pearl Jam cover?" And I was like, "We don't need to play the Pearl Jam." What? <laughs> <laughs> Pearl Jam <laughs> has a cover of that. <laughs> okay, but not only does Pearl Jam have a cover, but like, so he has the aux cable that plays through this whole like. Resort. This is like a $200, $300 night resort. You know? And the whole resort has to listen to a live recording of Pearl Jam while I'm just sitting there holding the iPhone watching the performance. And you're just going- And everybody- You're
1: just like slipping in your
2: chair like this. Everybody else has to listen to the audio. And every time the guy gets like a text message- Oh, Like the whole entire- Because he's playing it off YouTube. So I'm sitting there watching this like Pearl Jam live video- while the whole club has to listen to this guy's <laughs> phone being plugged in. And I was like, and it's funny, because, uh, and Scott's just, you know, hanging out, because he doesn't have any Hawaiian heritage, so it didn't really, you know. <laughs> yeah, and uh, okay. and I bought him one of those drinks where they hollow out a pineapple. <laughs> okay. Because I was like, that's As the most Hawaiian thing you Hawaii. do. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he's just playing the song t- technically twice about, like, <laughs> like Hawaiian gentrification i guess the you death know of Hawaiian culture yeah and like what they view as, like genocide to a lot of people you know and oh, yeah. we're just sitting there and it's funny cuz then like we're just there and i'm like we should probably head on to the next the next resort like we're just you know jumping into <laughs> hotel swimming pools and stuff i was like i think resort i think hopping. people have had enough of us here i think it's time we head out
0: <laughs> oh my gosh
2: <laughs> but that's how we tour that's how we tour. We literally were like, hey, it's cheaper to fly to Hawaii. So Scott and I flew to Hawaii, and he was there for like four days, and I stayed for like a week and a half with my family. Heck and it yeah. was like, that, that's just kind of the hotel. Also, we went on tour in Japan without return flights. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were just I mean, if you're, if you're
1: going to go somewhere without a return flight, I feel like Japan is a place to go.
2: Yeah, we got to Japan. So we did the Europe tour, and then we did Russia, and then from Russia we went to Japan. And somewhere in the middle an airline went out of business. Oh. And it's funny, because then we were going to go back to Europe, but the airline that we used instead has also now gone out of business. Oh. So we had to buy new flights, and I was looking at it, and I called my parents, and I was like, hey, is it cool if I come home like a week and a half late? And they're like, why? And I'm like, if I'm reading this correct, we can fly to Hawaii, and then the flight to Hawaii, and then the flight from Hawaii back to LAX is cheaper. And then we got to Hawaii, and some lady... It's like, hey, can you play a show while you're here? And we're like, no, we can't play a show while we're here because we don't have our band. It's just two of us. And she's like, well, can you do a solo show? And I was like, I don't know, maybe. And then we're walking and there's a bar and they're playing I Prevail. And we're like, that's weird. That's (laughs) not, you know, you don't hear that. So we walk inside and it's like a metal bar. And the bartender's like, hey, uh, the Descendants are playing in three days. And I can get you guys in because you're friends with I Prevail. Just so then, I got to see the
1: you, you knew the
2: song "I Prevail,"
1: or because you were actually friends with them?
2: No, because we had a we, we 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 had a friendship with them, a couple of the guys, and I kind of like. I didn't mean to do this, but we were, aud- we were. I was having Scott take a video because I wanted to send it to the I Prevail guy mm-hmm. and say like, "You're not going to believe this, but you're playing." Which now, I Prevail wouldn't even be surprised because they're global now. You know what yeah, I mean? Like nowadays, I Prevail. Yeah. yeah, they're the biggest band in the world. But at the time, they were about to be the biggest band in the world, so I sent it to them, and then they texted back, and I showed it to the bartender. He's like, you know them? And I'm like, well, yeah, you know you know them. Which, you know, we toured with them and stuff. Yeah. I, know. I, w- I was an opener for them. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I talked to them on that. T- no, but, and we got that tour from being friends. Let's face it. Like, we're not the first pick for I Prevail's management.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> or Or their fan base, as we learned. There you go. <laughs> but uh, but I prevails like we want you to do this Christmas tour and we we're like, "Well yeah, like that's like the dream, you know?" Yeah. So then I got to see Descendants in Hawaii and then uh this lady gave us money and we're like, "No, no, we don't want your money." And She goes, "No, it's a donation so you can have money to have fun in Hawaii." Aww. And I'm like, "Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll like put it toward merch shows." No, no, no. You are going to put this money toward having fun in Hawaii. That's so And so
0: so wholesome.
2: And I was like, well, we're going to put it toward food then because we're going to eat fancy. She's like, that's what I want you to do. So we went to this like rooftop steakhouse. Right. Uh, just, me, just me and just all these like couples dressed nice. And then just me and Scott in our shorts just eating steak together <laughs> at this rooftop steak. <laughs>
0: I feel like I, I definitely know that Hawaii is way too wholesome to be part of the United States.
2: <laughs> yeah, when you're there, it, it feels like I used to spend my summers there and it definitely feels different. But again, for me, it's like that's where my family lives. So, it's it's like I don't get to. I I mean, if I wanted to, if I was like, "Hey, I want to go do the touristy stuff," my parents would take me. But like, we would have more fun just hanging out with our cousins. So that was kind of our thing.
0: Yeah, I've never been, but I I don't want to travel over water. I'm just not there yet. It's take a boat. I get I get seasick. (laughs) I can't win. I can't win. I really can't. Yeah.
2: Um. Yeah, because flying over water is its own thing. Yeah. You, you, you're either cut out for it or you're not, you know? Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I didn't.
1: It's over a lot quicker than a boat, though. That's the thing.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's it's true.
1: It's only like a six-hour flight, right?
2: Yeah, maybe even less. And also, if you plan ahead, you can plan your sleep around it, too. Yeah.
0: Hey, Spence, let's go to Hawaii. I'm, just
2: I'm down. So if you guys go to... Travelhawaii.com and use promo code HOTELBOOKS. You'll get 10% off your trip plan. No, i was kidding.
0: I was like, wait, no, wait, no, what? This whole
2: this whole thing was just an ad for me.
0: <laughs> That's
2: all it was. This podcast is now officially sponsored. But- so if there's one thing I could tell my fan base, it would be Squarespace is an exciting new way for you to make money. <laughs> <laughs> Raid Shadow Legends. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, speaking I, of traveling, right. <laughs> <laughs> I have to wrote uh, things I, back in, guys. That's like my job as the female. In we've, this, we've been going in this for twenty situation. minutes and have
1: have gone through two questions.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's okay. So when you're traveling in the in the United States, because that's probably where I know that you had that Japan tour and your Europe tour. When you're traveling in the United States, what's your favorite state? To visit. Or Texas. When you're in Texas. Texas, Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas. Is it better or bigger? Or is it both?
2: Bigger. bigger. They say bigger, but I think both the crowds are better. There's the... Well, we used to be like... We used to always play that So What Fest. All okay. right. Because we never did the South by Southwest thing. I mean, we played a showcase one year. It wasn't for us. And it was when we were a young band. And mm-hmm. then that South by So What Fest started... And then we became friends with Third String Productions and uh, Daniel Defonce and Mike Zemer and Richard Hudson, all the promoters in Texas. We kind of just became friends with from playing in their festival. So now when we go to Texas, we have, like, friends that put the show together. And because they're our friends, they get, like, awesome opening bands. They get us the venue we ask for. So Texas for us is kind of like a way to see our old friends. And then the audiences are so much fun because the show was put together really, really nicely.
0: That's so cool, and you well, I mean, it makes sense that Texas would be like the, I think Texas is actually the most populated state, but it would make sense because yeah. it's so freaking big. But yeah, yeah, I like Texas. And, and, I think Texas and has is a lot cool. of big cities. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just you,
2: broke something.
0: Oh my gosh!
2: I'll fix it. What happened. This is. I'm honored to be the first. Uh, the first one back. You know, I think this is great. Because I'm as out of practice. This is how out of practice hotel books is. Hotel books is a two piece. I have not physically seen Jonathan in two years. Oh. (laughs) I guess yeah. You haven't been on tour in a while too, huh? Yeah, and every time we try to meet up, something happens. I mean, the first you know, the pandemic didn't help. Like even before that, uh, we had personal stuff with our family. You know, we had family tragedies and stuff that got in the way.
0: Yeah. That's rough. Yeah.
2: so yeah, we're a uh, Hotel Books if, if if Hotel Books is still a band, I guess we're barely hanging on.
1: <laughs> I would be devastated the day that Hotel Books breaks up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it might be good for the world. <laughs> okay. Like I'm going to take all that mental focus and there's going to be like I'm going to be a really good Starbucks employee.
0: <laughs> would you like your venti mocha china frappe? Pacino.
2: I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy at Starbucks that pushes the things no one buys. It's like I'll be like, like, because I, I respect anybody in food handling because I know that that's a job that like, you know, it's a necessary job. Yeah. No one wants. So if to I worked, yeah, yeah, and it's a great starter job, but it's also a great career. And there's very few industries that are a good starter job and a good career. Yeah. That's rare. So but i would be the person who's like hey welcome to starbucks and then when they're checking out i'd try to slide in something that no one wants. like i'd be like hey you want this nora jones cd like would you like to add like like, like say it like it's a like it's an extra shot of syrup though make it seem like it's just this thing <laughs> that would you people like nora like
0: jones ad- in that cd
2: yeah like would you like to add oh you, you, okay two iced coffees would <laughs> would you like to add a sublime by rome compilation <laughs> <laughs> would you like hot dog water and or chocolate star and hot dog water? <laughs> yeah, would you like- <laughs> on vinyl? <laughs> how many? How many? You know how they sell the CDs in the front? Could they sell whatever they want? like? Could they sell Limp Bizkit or do they have certain CDs they're allowed to sell? Because they always have Nora Jones and like the Beatles Love soundtrack from Veg. You know, yeah. But if if they wanted to, could a Starbucks be like, hey?
0: I mean, I wonder wanna- if it's up to like the store owner, and they could just be like. I- I'm a metalhead. Let's just put some like, yeah. you know, Metallica. It order. would just
2: be all mine would just be AT Aliens by Outcast. There you go. Yep. And and nothing and nothing else. And I'd have them all a different price. Like some would be on sale, some wouldn't.
0: <laughs> and they'd be like, "What's the difference?" So, and you're like, "This Yeah. So that way edition.
2: people would sort through every single one of them even though it's all AT Aliens by Outcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and you make sure you take off the sticker at the top so no one can tell.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, question number 3. Oh, this is this is our best
1: episodes. I don't even care ever (laughs) to ever be recorded. Um, let's talk about music a little bit because that's like the biggest part of
2: going on tour is performing. Uh, I feel like we covered that with Nora Jones. Oh, okay, cool.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, what? consists or what what's the consistency of a hotel book show like what what do you play are there songs you always play um you don't play well things like that
2: well perfect world we try to headline or or be direct support because we like small shows Mm -hmm. yeah um more more not because we're like oh we're hipsters and we like to play for 10 people because it means more if if the mainstream hates it that's not at all i'd I'd sell out in a second if someone was offering um (laughs) As long as, as long as I can say the words I want to say and spread the message I believe in, I don't really care about genres and stuff. So our live, and that's just because I'm not a musician, so genuinely, our live show is us just jamming. Like I, I, I talk about this a lot, but like, a lot of improvising, especially the second half of our set, we just kind of jam. We have these songs that we'll write where we'll just come up with a cool riff or a cool chorus, and then just kind of use that as our mantra to return to a center, and then just kind of explore... Uh, idea. so so we'll play like Van Eyes and then Broke Love and then maybe like um one other song and then we'll do like ghost ca- a couple poems and then we'll just kind of jam um as best we can and just kind of create an experi an uh, experience with the audience. But again, best we can because you know, I, I'm just not a musician, so I don't have mm-hmm. this like affinity for oh we have to have this polished like ambient rock set or emo set or indie set. I and Jonathan is the opposite of a a genre. Like, he likes to have songs that cover all bases like me, so for us, we just try to put on a live show where if you come to that show, you've come to that show. Other than the anti-suicide speeches, which are very rehearsed, because I'm not going to leave that up for chance. Obviously, if I'm going to talk about something that delicate, I want to make sure I'm saying it exactly how it needs to be said. But short of that, I mean, we've, in the middle of a set, been like, hey, let's cut track two, and let's just take track four out a little bit longer and stuff. So it's a lot of just, like, we grew up on worship music. I grew up in the church where, like, the youth pastors just, you know, after the song's over, he'll just keep strumming while he prays, and then after he's done praying, he'll be like, back into the chorus, and you're like, oh, we're still playing that song, okay. And so I just like that jammy nature, so that's kind of what our live show is. We try to play all-ages clubs best we can, Usually mostly clubs. We try to stay out of music halls and theaters. Um, But, yeah, local businesses.
0: Yeah your local businesses everybody
1: Mm -hmm. you have a song uh, on equivalency and I feel like you kind of I don't know if you intentionally perform it but you kind of perform it like every time I've seen it at least or uh, I've seen you guys at least uh, you have I'm almost happy here on equivalency oh yeah Um, and I feel like just because that kind of hits like the highlights of like all of the most popular hotel book songs so like if someone came purely to hear nicole you'll hear like a couple lines from nicole and then yeah i mean they're satisfied
2: i knew that equivalency was going to be the end of an era for me which you could tell by the lyrics i mean the lyrics are about me wanting to quit hotel books yes and yeah. i i think a lot of people think like this this constant battle i have of wanting to be in hotel books and not wanting to be in hotel books i think people are like is that just kind of his angle is that kind of just like but it's genuinely just I don't like being um, the front man of something. I like just being a writer. And so that song kind of came out of how do I, trying to please everybody pleases nobody. So how can I, at the very least, take the lines from the songs that I used to play, the lines that I would want to make sure people hear, and, and put them in a, in a container where they, they actually get honored? Because obviously when you see a band who's like, does a medley where they just play the chorus of every song. That's cool. But it's just chorus after chorus, after chorus, after chorus, it will be like going to a Mm -hmm. restaurant and they're like, Hey, we're having a five course meal and they're all dessert, you know? And so I'd rather say like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to take these lines that mean a lot to me. And because they mean a lot to me, that probably means they're about um, suicide prevention, which means I can find a, a, some sort of string to string them all together. And I hope I did that successfully But usually people want to hear Nicole, so we do the first 12 bars of Nicole, and then we do about 32 bars of that song, and then we close out on either Car Crash or Broke Love or Ghost Can't Love, depending on—again, we're improvising, so depending on what Jonathan goes into next or what I go into next.
1: Yeah. Um, I remember uh, I was talking to you after the uh, tour. was it? One of the tours. Um, I was talking to you after the show, um, and I was actually talking to you specifically about that song because I was like, it's just like I, it's everything that's good about ho- not everything good, but like all of the, like I said, it's all the highlights of Hotel Books, and then you yeah. close out the album, uh, with Siri, and I think I I asked you it was like why why did you do that, and if I remember right, you were like. Um, I wasn't sure if Hotel Books was going to continue because, uh, I don't know if this is a sensitive topic, but you were going through a lot of health problems as well at this time. Um, yeah. and you were like, I don't know if this is going to be the last Hotel Books album. And so you wanted to have something that pleased everyone and kind of culminated what Hotel Books is into this grand masterpiece. And it is one of the most beautiful songs. And Oh, thank you. I, uh, it's, it's one of my favorite Hotel Books songs. Purely because it it hits everything so well, and it flows so consistently, and you can tell the growth that happens, or that has happened over the course of Hotel Books from, uh I'm almost happy here to, uh, uh equivalency in that song.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean equivalency is a weird album because we recorded it in four different sessions. That's why there's like some pop hunky kind of songs, and then there's like screaming song, You know, we didn't know what we were going to do. We just, like, we had a budget. We kept going back to the studio until we used up the budget, and then we picked the songs. That's why we did Equivalency, too, because there's just so many songs. Which I I love that you did um, that.
1: I'm so glad that you did that.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were nervous. I mean, it's funny because half those songs are like iPhone recordings that, (laughs) that are, you know, and we didn't know if people would understand why it exists, but I'm constantly in the state of... This is gonna be over at any second. And I don't know if that comes from insecurity or the fact that I don't handle being in the public eye very well, um, even if it's on such a small level, or the fact that like people want answers about mental health and I and I do too. And it's hard sometimes to be the teacher and the student at the same time, and for people to expect like I was just watching, um I was listening to uh, Charlemagne the God today, and he was talking about this new J. Cole song that came out where he talks about Like, people are saying, why aren't you speaking up on the issues of the world? And he basically said, like, because I'm thinking and I'm not ready yet to talk and I'm thinking and I'm not basically saying I'm not the activist you think I am. I'm not the leader you want me to be. And like, don't be disappointed in me because I don't live up to the expectations you've put on me. And like, I would never, ever, 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 ever put myself in that ballpark of influence or of intelligence. But I, I heard that and I was like, wow, that's, I I have a, myself and a lot of my friends feel that way of, uh, do do I want to have another person tell me that I should end my life because my music sucks or because I'm overweight or because I whine too much or because I love Jesus or, or someone who's like, I knew him in fifth grade and he pushed my friend over. So, you know, he's, an, he's not a Christian or, you know, all the stuff that comes with that. I have to take a step back and go, this could be over at any second because I don't know if I mentally want to do it anymore. Yeah. And so I, I, I tried to take with uh, that record, and then with I'll Leave the Light On Just In Case, the last song is just me listing all the things I miss from before I was in Hotel Books. And then Equivalency 2 um, kind of has a similar ending where it's just me saying this could be it. I mean, the original ending of Eloquil, uh, Eloquil Equivalency, sorry. <laughs> Equivalency Mixing was things. I. I actually said on the record, I said, "This is it. I'm done." Yeah. But the reason we it got cut was because the label's like, "You have to tour it, and we don't want people to think you're not going to tour because you know it would send mixed signals." So that's why we cut it. But um yeah, I always feel like this this plane is landing because I don't know how much um, I enjoy I, I I enjoy being a writer, and there was a time in my life where hotel books was the only way I knew how to write, and so for me to Pursue my 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 dreams and what I believe is my calling from the Lord. I had to do hotel books, but I don't know. I just I would like to get to a point where my writing is is where people go. Oh, I don't care if it's hotel books or not because it's still him writing. You know? Yeah, for sure. Like I put out a single couple weeks ago called Lullaby Number One, and people were like, "I miss when I miss hotel books." I'm like, it's funny because the first comment we got was someone's like. I like his writing style better in hotel books. I don't like this. It's too, uh, it's too metaphoric. And it's like, this poem was written for hotel books. <laughs> like, you know.
1: And then you had your other side project. Uh, what was it called? Uh, Camp Hope? Camp Hope, was- yeah. Camp Hope. I love that. I honestly wish that we could have more Camp Hope, personally.
2: Yeah, it was fun. I mean, we did Ready to Fall and Forever Stay, which are kind of the more rock songs. Oh, and uh don't crash yet, we did the three rock songs, yeah, and those were hotel book songs, and I was like, what if I did like beat poetry on the verses instead of spoken word, and so we did ready to fall, and we sent it to Nick Moore, and he was like, "Why don't you just do a solo project that's more um rap I guess and i I was like well i i if I'll do it if it's a pop rock album because I was like i I don't want to make a hip hop album i'm not I'm not qualified to do it." And then uh, Jonathan came into the studio because we were supposed to be recording Equivalency. <laughs> and um, he showed up, and we started, he started making these like beats. And I was like, this is really fun. Let me put my voice in this. So I think part of why Camp Hope worked out so well is because none of us cared how it turned out. We were just having fun. And I think that's why it, it, people liked it, because no one, no one was worried about it sounding good, because we were just having a blast hanging out, me, Nick Ingram, and, yeah. and Jonathan.
1: Um, you also had on your last tour that you went on, at least I think it was the last tour you went on, uh, you worked with uh Kai Rogers a little bit, which conveniently I'm actually wearing a Kai Rogers shirt right now. Oh nice. Um, and then you went on to do four songs with him, correct? Five. Five. Yeah. So how was how was like that tour? Because um, I feel like you really took Kai under your wing a lot during that tour.
2: Yeah, I didn't know him beforehand. I'd never met him. And I showed up to the tour late, as I do every tour. <laughs> and uh, I had, like, this... I, I, I Every tour, I'd have these crazy mental episodes where, like, I'd ha- I had, like, a concussion at one point and stuff. Oh, and we found <laughs> out just recently. It was like, man, how, how does this keep happening? And I remember, like... Even people on the my management team were like, "Is he just making this up to get out of stuff?" (laughs) Turns out, turns out, I I was taking two medications that together are poisonous. Oh, Oh. that's not good. So I was having, I was collapsing, and I collapsed and hit my head on a wall, had a concussion, and all this stuff. So the after surviving all this misfortune, uh, I hit up Landon and I said, "Let's do a tour together, and let's just not care about anything. Let's just tell. We even told the venues ahead of time." We're not going to bring a lot of gear. We're going to load up, load out quickly, and we're not going to, we're going to show up as late as you'll allow us. We want to respect your time, but we want to, we want to hang out and just be friends as long as possible.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So that tour was a great opportunity to get to know Kai because there was no responsibilities. The problem was we were all, I was so nervous. I'm like, are we just teaching him? Like, are we setting a terrible example <laughs> of what touring is? Yeah. Cause like we're waking up at noon and like, you know, and, uh. Yeah, and then he was at Ingram's studio working on a record, and it made sense for me to go and help work on some stuff. And then uh, I, I, Jonathan and I were kind of taking a break from each other because he was working on Sonos, and and uh, I was like, man, Jonathan's making music without me, like like which is totally fine, but, you know, it's weird. It's almost like it, it just felt weird. And, and then he sent me the first couple Sonos songs, and I was like, oh, no, 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 I need to be out of the way on this one. Like, like he, you know, you could just be like, okay, he found his vision and I need to let him finish it. So then I was like, well, what's something I've always wanted to do. And I've always wanted to do like country music. And then, uh, Invogue was like, well, Kai's in the studio. If you and Steph want to fly out, you can help him write his music. And I was like, that sounds great. So my original thought was I was going to be there kind of writing with Kai. And then we came up with these songs And then I I was no longer signed to Invoke or anything. So then Nick Moore's like, well, what do we do? And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, well, can I just put them out as singles? And I'm like, I don't care. Like, you know, (laughs) I just want the world to hear them. And I just want people to hear uh, my talented friend, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, those came about in a very odd way. Nice. I'm really glad they did. They're some of my
1: favorite songs. They're Oh, thank you. I, I love Kai, and I love you, and like the two of you combined were it was just like such a powerhouse that I wasn't ready for.
2: <laughs> neither were we. We got in there, and he's like, "Don't worry, Cam, I'm not gonna make it super country. and I was like, "Ah, oh, I got bad news, buddy. that's what I wanted <laughs> and he's like, and he's like, "Oh, well, never mind then. Yeah. I'm like, you know
0: i think I think Kai's from my my home state,
1: yeah, he's from Georgia, yeah, uh, yeah,
0: good times, good times. Um, so, when you're out on tour, (laughs) what are some of the, uh, crazier, weirdest things that have happened to you while you've been on tour?
2: Well, touring with Landon Tours was just crazy in general because of who he is. Mm -hmm. He's just, um, like, people are like, oh, he's crazy, and I didn't know what that meant, and then I toured with him, like, oh, they, their definition of crazy is he wants to make sure everyone's having fun. Okay. (laughs) Like, you know, he, he. (laughs) But not in a life of the party, sort of. Not in a, like, come on, guys, let's go jump in the pool with our clothes on. Like, he's not that guy. Yeah. He's just very, like, like he'll tell us what his plans are and what he wants to do. And i say, if anyone wants to join me, you're welcome to join me. And if you don't want to join me, you don't have to, but you're always invited. So we kind of had a fun tour with him because he's toured, you know, I, I'm i sure Landon's probably 75 years old now, and he's toured every <laughs> town. But for weird experiences, I I mean... Jonathan and I, uh, well, we had our van die in L.A. I think I've told you guys this story before, but I'll tell it on air because it's so dumb. (laughs) But we had our our van die in L.A., and we were going to have our drummer and our bass player go with the van to the shop, and then Jonathan and I were going to go play the show as a two-piece. But uh, I own the van, so I had to go with him because I own the van. And on the way to the auto body shop or whatever the mechanics the the tow truck ran out of gas (laughs) so we had to uh the guy pulls over on the side of the road and he grabs these road flares and he doesn't know how they work and then he thinks that you're supposed to rub them together or bang them together and he just breaks them (laughs) so then like he just bangs them together until they break and he's like well that didn't work (laughs) and then uh and then Jonathan has to just stand in the road with his iPhone flashlight, <laughs> and uh, and then the guy starts pouring the gas, but he doesn't he doesn't his tank his gas can doesn't have a nozzle, so there's no way to break through the little metal door that blocks the gas area, you know. Mm-hmm. So I have to climb into the twelve passenger van that's up suspended onto the tow truck and get our funnel, <laughs> and then I get the funnel, and then the guy does doesn't know how to use it so jonathan at this point is just taking pictures because it's too funny <laughs> and <laughs> and yeah so we're we're pouring the gas in and the guy doesn't he's just putting his hand on the bottom pretending like he's helping but he doesn't know what he's doing <laughs> and uh oh and also this trip starts with we're going over these canals so there's these crazy canals we're driving over mm-hmm. and every time we go on them the back of the van scrapes on the back because it's these giant hills yeah and the the guy didn't know how a GPS works. He goes onto Google Maps and he types in the address, and then just starts staring at the map. He didn't know you're supposed to push start, so he's just staring at the at the like the blue path and doing his best to guess the roads. The so he takes us on this back yeah, and he accidentally takes us on this back road that winds us up at these bridges over these canals. And, um, but yeah, he didn't know you're supposed to push start and then it guides you through. He thought you're supposed to just stare at the map overview, like the bird's eye view. So the whole thing was just awful. And then we get to the show and Jonathan's 20. So they're like, he can't be inside the venue. It's 21 up. So he has to just, and there's no green room. So he has to hang out in front of the room and I can't hang out with him cause I have to take, watch the merch table. Yeah. And then while we're on stage, Jonathan's glasses got stolen. And we're like, hey, can uh, we uh, check the security footage? The guy's like, well, whose glasses were they? I'm like, they're his. And they're like, well, only the person who owns the product can go back in the room. I was like, okay, Jonathan, go. And they're like, no, he can't go. He's not 21.
0: (laughs) What in the world? And so that
2: guy stole his glasses. Oh, my gosh. I mean, come on. No, he
0: totally did. I wonder if he was on the edge of the stage and was like, I wonder. You know, like, everyone wonders, like, what everyone else sees. And he was like, oh, shoot. These work for me and then just walk well, away. He's the
2: authority. He's he's the only guy with a key to the security camera. You yeah. know,
0: he's like, I want him to and like,
2: because, <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, I bought the glasses. So they're my property, even though they're on his face. The guy goes, well, we have a policy and the policy is that whoever you says it, say it is first, that's whose it is. And you said it was his <laughs> and, and uh, just
0: making it out now. Who,
2: and he goes, I- I'm a man of integrity and I, I don't break policies. And I was like, well, what are the policies designed to do? And he goes, to protect our patrons. And I go, okay, well, you're doing the opposite of that by honoring this policy. Because your patron had his glasses stolen. And he goes, well, you can buy new glasses. And I go, yeah, yeah, but you can't buy better vision. And you can't buy glasses with a specific prescription at a 7-Eleven. Yeah. (laughs) So Jonathan doesn't have visibility (laughs) until we get new glasses because you... And so the whole night went from, literally our tow truck ran out of gas. Like, I don't even believe that happened. I told Jonathan, I'm like, if we find out that whole thing was a hallucination, I'd buy it. Other than the fact that we took pictures.
0: <laughs> it was all just a weird dream.
2: Well, Jonathan and I end up in just weird situation. One time we, like, were walking down a street, and there was just a bunch of cars. So I'm like, let's turn the corner. And we turned the corner, and apparently we walked in through, like, the employee section of this, like, giant, like, uh... Puerto Rican festival. <laughs> and uh, we're like, oh, this is cool. So we're just hanging out at this Puerto Rican festival. And I look at this lady, and I was like, what is this event called? And she goes, it's called the Puerto Rican festival.
0: Well, that was, And funny. I was
2: like, oh, well, that's what I've been calling it, you know.
0: Yeah.
2: And so we found this truck, this food truck, and ordered food. And then uh, we went back to the group, and then we told the other guys, and then we took the other guys down there. And everything was gone, and they were just sweeping the trash out of the streets.
0: <laughs> well, that was quick.
2: <laughs> so, so Jonathan and I do do tend to find ourselves. One time, Steph and I went to go get a. I needed a haircut. I needed a haircut, and we're in like St. Louis, and this I have the only barber I go to, and it's just like old timey prohibition era <laughs> thing. Yeah, and the the barbers all have like waxed mustaches and, and uh, like welding aprons. It all looks like that era, and the whole place is done like in it. And I'm like, hey, I'm. this is probably a really expensive barbershop. I probably can't afford it, but I really need a haircut because I'm, I'm starting to, I can't keep my hair out of my eyes on stage. And he goes, oh, you're in a band? I go, yeah, we're opening for Hawthorne Heights. And he goes, I love Hawthorne Heights. And he's like, I'll cut your hair if you put me on the list. So he cuts my hair and he goes, you want to go to the speakeasy? <laughs> I was like, okay. what? And he takes us to the staircase and then he lifts a photo and then puts his finger print on a device and then a door opens (laughs) and there's an underground bar. (laughs) You know, we And and I... and I called Sienna Skies. I called Sienna Skies and I'm like, guys get down here now. Because they're from Australia they're from Australia, so they don't even know Prohibition. You know and so it's like me and Steph and the this Australian Metalcore band and we're just hanging out and none of us have any money or anything. So we're just there hanging out, you know. And the bartender is has, like, learned the history of Prohibition. Like, it's almost like a museum piece, and it was so much fun. And uh, and then we're like, can we go back? And the guy's like, no, only a... a m-. So, basically, a member can take a guest. Gotcha. So, we could only get as many people in as how many people were already there. Oh. Because we had to get a member to allow... So, for if there's only five people down there, we were only allowed to get five of us in at a time because you can't have more guests than members. Gotcha. So, it kind of became this, like reliving the speakeasy era, but it was fun. It was a lot of fun, and I, I we look forward to going back. That's so cool.
0: Yeah. Hmm? I think we have one of those down the street from us. We just haven't gone to it yet. But, yeah, that's that so funny. <laughs>
2: I want to go so You bad. guys
0: really do just find, like, the oddest little things, huh?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's very odd. But I think it's because Jonathan and I go for really long walks. Yeah. And we just walk so far, we find, you know, we'll find restaurants. We found this restaurant, and it was this run-down diner. Mm-hmm. And we go in, it's called like, it's called like Bob's diner, you know?
0: Yeah. Like, and we true. go
2: in, it's a small colonial town. We go in and the lady's like, what are you boys doing here? Like she could tell we looked a little alternative for that yeah. town. And it's like a house show, not really a venue town. Yeah. And we're like, Oh yeah, we're here to eat. She gives, she's like, Oh, we'll give you a discount. You're traveling through. You guys are famous, you know, doing the whole like old lady thing. And then we're like, she's like, make sure you get the pie. And I was like, Oh, we're about to get on stage. I don't eat dessert. And she goes. Well, Bob is ninety-seven, and he still comes in every morning and makes the pies. The <laughs> like, and we're like, "All right, we'll it get it. We'll get a pie." And then she, and then this is like a seventy-five-year-old lady. She's like, "Yeah, my dad is still making the pies oh my every gosh. morning." <laughs> and we're just like, "How do we find these places?"
0: Did you get the pie?
2: Oh was yeah, it good. Jonathan didn't because he's you know he doesn't care about the elderly, but <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We shared one. <laughs> it was very good. It was very very good.
1: So I think this. This whole going on walks thing, it kind of brings up a, a question that I have. How do you prepare to go on stage? Like, what do you have like a routine or something like that? Because you put on such an emotional show. I feel like you have to get yourself in this mindset to go on stage.
2: Yeah, I think for me, the conversations after the show take more work than the show. So, like, before the show, it's pretty hard to find me. Mm hmm. Um, because I need to get in the zone, but I mean, I get on stage and it's emotional, but I'm I'm trying to accomplish a goal, so like, uh, I'm not, I'm again, I'm not a musician, I, I, I mean, sometimes I'll play keyboard on stage, but that doesn't require much work, it's just pushing play on a loop, but um, I'm just up there to entertain a crowd, and I'm up there to share my heart, and so that part's a little natural to me, because I'm naturally someone who needs to release energy. The part that's hard is when I get off the stage and I have to have conversations, not have to, but I'm privileged to have conversations with people yeah. who have walked through terrible, terrible things and, and people who are like, I, I don't want to live, but I thought if I came to your show, you'd help me. So I'm here and I have to go, I, I, can, I, can, I can get you in touch with the right people, people who are professionals who are enthusiastic to help you, but I, I'm, a po- I'm an entertainer. And I don't want to. I'd rather give no advice than give bad advice. However, I'm not going to let you leave the show until uh, you have a resource in your hand that you can call or email to make sure you get it. So that takes more. So it's a lot of walking. It's a lot of Jonathan talking. I, I, you know, the first few years of hotel books, my bandmates, one of my fill-in bandmates was like, "Dude, you're always in a bad mood after the shows, and every morning you're in a bad mood." It's like, well, I just had ten conversations about suicide attempts, and and if 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 no one's open to hearing me. Event, then it's hard for me to want to just hang out and be one of the guys, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So that part for me is just a lot of again walking around, praying, meditating, and just hoping I get it right. And sometimes I don't, but I try to.
0: Yeah, definitely. I can like, I don't know. I can't imagine because I know like, I like listening and knowing. I I like knowing that people know there's someone there to listen, and so that's like, okay, I'll listen. And then afterward, I'm like, oh. That was some heavy stuff that uh, just <laughs> no. got
2: unloaded on me. And
0: I'm like, how do I get it off? And so I think we all have like our different like coping mechanisms yeah. and things like that. So.
2: Especially with this new era of people who are so internet-based. Yes. Where they spend 12 hours on the internet and three hours in the real world. So the, the internet is their world. That's their social ecosystem. So mm-hmm. socio-ecos, that's not even a phrase. I made that up. I didn't even make that up. I just said it wrong. So a lot of people <laughs> come to the show and they're like, they're like, I follow people on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, and those are my world leaders, because if their world is unaffected by what's happening outside, if you live in a suburban home and you stay in your bedroom 24 hours, your ecosystem is not affected by who's the president or who's the the mayor or or what businesses are opening up around you. Your ecosystem is affected by who you're engaging with in the Facebook groups that you pour your entire livelihood into. Mm-hmm. So if you're in an echo chamber that's just worshipping uh You know, Jeffree Star, when you go meet Jeffree Star in person, you expect him to be the avatar of of authority because you've based your life around Jeffree Star being the authority figure of your ecosystem. And then Jeffree Star has to go, no, I make makeup. I can't give you life advice. And you go, well, that's not fair, though, because if you're not going to do it, who's going to do it? Because no one else understands me. And it's like, well, I don't know you. So I have to look at fans and go, you think I understand you because my music relates to you. But my music is only expression of myself. These are my true stories. These are no one else's stories. And as much as I want to help you, the best way I can help you is by connecting you with people who who have the tools that God gives that can actually help you. So I'd rather connect you with a hotline that I trust, that I'm personal friends with. Connect you with uh, an email service or a counseling service that I've personally met the people, shook their hands, and I know that they believe in the power of people, rather than. You know, and I always tell people Suicide Hotline and the, the government things are good too, but I think in this new era of people going, my entire life revolves around watching Ariana Grande videos, and, and I'm not judging you, I'm just saying if you blur the lines between the friends I talk to care about me and the people I watch on YouTube care about me, you have to remember that Ariana Grande, though she cares about all of her fans, she doesn't know you and she doesn't owe you anything.
0: Mhm,
2: that got beyond a tangent. let's go back to yeah, pineapples in Hawaii drinks in them right
1: you oh go ahead
2: no nope, you you
0: go for it
1: um you you mentioned i'm gonna that was really deep, and I like i wanna keep on that, but at the same time, i well, it's on my mind cool. you uh
2: you anything anything we don't talk about we could talk about next time,
1: okay. You're right. We're just going to have, like, 15 episodes with just you. Yeah. And we're Perfect. only going to answer three questions every time.
0: Yes.
1: <laughs> um. You, you mentioned that uh, you had a bandmate that uh, was, like, a temporary bandmate. You When you go on tour, every single time, it's, it's a different set of people, correct?
2: Yeah, I mean, other than if it's just me and yeah. Jonathan.
1: So how do you go about, like, doing practice? Do you kind of just show up and be like... Okay, let's let's hope this sounds good.
0: I'm here, let's kick it.
1: <laughs>
2: that's 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 a pretty fair assessment. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Pretty fair. Um we try to practice doesn't always happen. Luckily the it's funny, if you go to like a hotel book show and it's the first week of tour, you're like, "Wow, they're doing a lot of just Cam and Jonathan songs." <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah. They're just trying to get the vibe. That's what it really yeah. is.
2: Yeah. Is Cam gonna keep playing Ghost Can't Love? Because he's already done that one. I. Like, <laughs> and then by the end of the tour, when the whole entire band knows the set perfectly, the tour is over. Yeah. I'm just waiting
1: for the day that, like, I go to a hotel book show and you just play two eight one. Yeah. And that's gonna. I'm just I'm, gonna cry.
2: I don't even know the words that one. <laughs> I don't even know a lot of. We have a couple songs where I didn't even pick the song title. I just turned it in, and then in Vogue's like, "What's this song called?" I'm like, "I don't know." It's in,
0: <laughs> and they're like, "Okay, I guess we'll figure it out."
2: <laughs> and then fans fans come to the shows or whatever you know, our listeners come to the shows, and they're like, "You didn't play anything off of uh, this song," and I'm like, "I, your guess is as good as mine as to what that would sound like."
1: <laughs> I I remember it was the London tour show or uh, tour, and someone yelled out, "It was like." play this song and you're like I don't know the words you, you just said that on stage and it was like I thought it was so funny but it's like it's probably true he has so many poems and they're so wordy that like well, I'm sure it's hard to keep all of yeah, them in and, your head
2: and most of them are made up on the spot so it's like how I didn't sound like I write them down so like 281 there were no written lyrics I just got in the booth and did it so it's like how am I supposed to memorize that
0: yeah you have to like Google Transcribe. <laughs> then-
2: yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I, the other day, uh, this would have been the land, the, I think it was the live stream Landon was on, but it was the other day, a few weeks ago, we we're doing a live stream. And someone asked for a poem. And I switched my front camera to the back camera. And I got caught that I was reading off of Genius. <laughs> <laughs> Your own lyrics. Yeah. But it's because, like, a lot of them, I'll have, like, the song in my head and I'll write it on stage. That's part of improv, is I think of, like, a stand up comedian, like, when a stand up comedian gets on stage at a at a club, like if you go to an LA Club, you're up there to try out jokes. Mm-hmm. That's what that's so if you go to the comedy store, the, the the thing that makes it sometimes bad is that the comedians are trying stuff out because they're only doing ten minute sets. But what makes it good is you might get to see Chris Rock. Yeah. You know? Because Chris Rock doesn't want to go on tour and try out his material. He wants to try it out in front of a New York crowd or an LA crowd.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And so with spoken words, kind of the same thing. I'll have a poem that's like maybe five lines. And by the end of the tour, it's like 30 lines. And then I get into the booth and do it. And that's the song. And it never got written down because I'm just feeding off the energy of the crowd and the emotion of the people and trying to shape a story that serves them rather than, you know, I've given up, you know, uh, the, one of my mantras I live by is like, if you live your life, trying to impress people, you'll never be able to truly serve them.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: So I try to go like, I'm not going to sit down with a pen and try to write the fanciest lyrics. I'm going to look at the crowd reaction and try to understand their hearts the best that someone standing fifty feet away can and, and put that into a song yeah, that's really
1: impressive that you're able to like do that
2: It's also lazy
1: <laughs> i don't I don't know, I, don't know I, w- I would I would say that that's like a skill that I'm sure a lot of people, especially a lot of songwriters and uh poets would love the the ability to do to just be like. I'm just gonna get up on stage and improv and hope that it sounds good.
2: Yeah, I think it's just when all my friends were learning how to play guitar and get really good at instruments and music, I was trying to get really good at that. So it's just that's the only muscle I've worked out. It's like when I go into writing sessions with people, it's not the most effective environment because that's not the muscle I've worked out. Yeah. So you know, but if I'm up on stage and the you know we did a show with Land and the power went out and I was on the phone with Steph and they call me in and they're like, hey, we need you to do stand up. And I was like, okay, which is something I used to do, but I'm not a comedian or anything. And I was like, well, this is Landon's crowd, so I can't just do like my jokes, you know? I can't. <laughs> my jokes are about like I'm like, have you ever been to Denny's? And you know that doesn't work because they're. So I was like, the only thing I can do is make jokes about the plot in you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I had. That's what I had to do. <laughs> I,
1: I'm just gonna recall more memories because uh. Something that I've always noticed that you do on stage is you just kind of, while Jonathan's tuning or whatever is going on, you're just kind of like speaking things and just trying to relate to the crowd. And it was during the Hawthorne Heights tour, I remember this very specifically, and you went off on like an Eric Andre type thing, where it was like, <laughs> we're just going to kill all the whales. We don't need <laughs> whales, let's just kill them. That sounds about, that sounds on brand. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that's, let's, by the end it was like, everyone's like, kill the whales. We don't need them. Okay. Yeah,
2: and there's probably some message there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Are you saying like whales? Like the creatures like the in this? The, the sea? animal
2: whales, yeah.
0: Oh, it sounds like you're saying like
1: whales. Oh. Weird no, accent. like, I,
2: I kind of rem- remember doing stuff like that. I'm sure there was a message there. I'm sure there. there was,
1: too. I can't like, remember, I remember what it was. I just remember you saying, like, let's kill the whales.
2: I think it was an environmental joke where I was kind of making a joke about, like, like, well, all the fish are getting eaten by whales, so who's the real... I think <laughs> that's actually like what that, it was, know? now that you say yeah, that. Yeah, sounds like me. Wow. Because like, when I come home, I have to write eloquent, and so it's like, I need material. So I'm I, a lot of, like a lot of people joke that I like, cam. You've become the most annoying type of frontman, the one who's trying out your jokes in between sets. And I'm like, well, that's my day job, so I have to do it somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Like I've been given this gift of this a beautiful, beautiful audience. What am I supposed to do? Like I want them to have a good show. I want to give them a break from the lyrics. That's for sure. I mean, you have these people who are like, they have to listen to twelve songs. Um they have to listen like 12 songs about suicide prevention. I want to break it up and give them uh, a palate cleansing moment on the show. Again, I I don't want imp- I'm not I'm just trying to serve the audience best I can, and the way I've learned how to do that is by doing wherever I feel led to go. And so yeah, I'll do these bits. I, and I I don't think Hawthorne I, I don't think when we're opening for other bands. I think they hate that I do that. I really do. <laughs> but I'm so used to it being our our show for 50 people. That's just what I'm used to, you know?
0: Yeah. So speaking of Eloquilt, why don't you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Oh, perfect. Uh, Eloquilt is a website started by a few people, including myself. And we make a weekly radio show that features different stories, interviews, journal entries, and poetry. So it's kind of a variety show. Sometimes I host it. Sometimes Mm -hmm. other people do. And then we also put out other stuff. Like spoken word poetry and segments and news and it's kind of like I I always joke it's almost like a news website but instead of news it's just people sharing stories but it's kind of structured like a news website where you get the audio show you get the weekly show and then you also just get random segments and stuff and uh, yeah you can pay five bucks a month for it or you could just watch all the free stuff listen to the free stuff and that's fine too because no one has money right now and there's more important things to give your money to right now anyway like Squarespace no I'm just kidding um (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, I mean, there's more important things right now in life, but eloquilt.com or hopecartel.com, you can listen to my spoken word there. And yeah, if you join the site, you get a seven-day free trial, and you can listen to our weekly show. Some of the stories are funny. Some are serious. We talk about addiction. We talk about faith. We talk about recovery. But then we also have pieces that are about uh, just goofing around with friends, and it's just a place where if you are an artistic person or you like art and you want some inspiration, hopefully we'll say something that resonates to you. Or if you're just someone who wants a, an hour a week to just hang out and listen to something that is designed to be uh, special, check it out.
0: Nice. And Eloquilt, how is that spelled? E-L-O-Q-U-I-L-T? Or, no, yeah. No E. Yeah,
2: Yeah. E-L-O-Q-U-I-L-T.
0: Okay. I just think I was rolling, and I was like, oh, there's an E. I'm like, nope, that was wrong. Um. Yeah, Eloquilt.com. Check it out.
2: <laughs> yeah. And if you like hotel books and you're like, I wish he still wrote stuff like that, you know, a lot of it was written for hotel books and didn't get used. There you go. Or if you don't like hotel books and you're like, I like Cam's writing, but not like hotel books, well, none of it was written for hotel books. There you go. <laughs> Whichever of those you want to choose to believe. <laughs> it's all on of, <laughs> com. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry. Um, I guess we should probably start wrapping up. It's been it's been a little bit over an hour now that we've been uh recording.
2: Uh, so let's And you oh, answered nice. four questions. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. That was that's not bad. That's a good ratio for me. Yeah. I think and it's and the good. important thing is go listen to Hawaii seventy eight and gain some context onto a culture that maybe doesn't resonate with you and uh you know, use headphones.
0: Yeah.
1: It's a beautiful song, I can attest.
0: Yeah. Don't ask anyone to play it in a
1: yeah, don't.
2: That was like the first song I used to be this. I used to want to learn ukulele. I thought that would somehow help me connect with my ancestors or something. It's pretty simple. And experience. that was the. Yeah, that was the first song I learned. Yeah. And it was intentional. I was like, I don't want to be another person whose first song is Somewhere Over the Rainbow. So I learned Hawaii 78. Guilty. And then I did like. And you're like, oh, that's cool. You went for like a poetic song. But then I completely undid that by learning Banana Pancakes by Jack Johnson next.
0: <laughs> it ruined it. <laughs>
2: And <laughs> It just totally ruins it.
1: <laughs> I think the entire reason I picked up Eagle Eye is because of Twenty One Pilots, so I I, I can't uh, really I can't be one to uh,
2: oh, judge on anything. Now there was this era in my life where I I listened to a lot of Hawaiian music, but really it was mostly Jack Johnson.
0: <laughs> I think when I learned and okay, "Somewhere of the Rainbow" was my first one, so like.
2: But there's like so many ports of entry. Yeah, some people get into ukulele because they're Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. Some people get into it because they like Zoe Deschanel. Yeah. Some people get into it because of Twenty One Pilots or Never Shout Never or Hello Goodbye. Yeah. Well. Or um, you know. The first time
0: I so in my church growing up, we had a um very large Hawaiian family. Like it was. You know, the, all the cousins and everything, and they, every Hawaiian yeah. family is like
2: 900, <laughs> very large, 900 and they people. took
0: up a large portion of our congregation. Um, and so they would like throw us like luau's and stuff, and mm-hmm. they were super fun. And we were doing one for like the for the younger girls in in our in our congregation, and they're like, Jaden, do you want to learn the ukulele? You know the guitar, and I'm like, sure. I think I was like fourteen. And like, okay, play Somewhere over the Rainbow. <laughs> and That's so, the like, move. I was just like told <laughs> that's what you're gonna learn. And I'm like, Got it, okay. And and then from there I was like, Well, now I have this ukulele that someone gave me, so
2: right. Might as I remember use it for I got infuriated once. Um I was I was at this party and this guy was playing Somewhere over the Rainbow. Mm-hmm. And you know how it's kinda like two songs combined? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right when it was supposed to kind of go into the, like, what a wonderful world part, mm-hmm. um, he, he, this is, okay, this is how annoying it was. We're at, like, a wedding reception. Ah. Uh. And this guy starts singing happy birthday to a person he brought with him. Oh, no. And then lost his place in the song <gasps> and just never went to the what a wonderful world part ever. And I was like, I bet you no one here likes that guy.
0: I would, <laughs> like, I would have been like goodbye. Get out.
2: <laughs> Bye, Felicia. <laughs> I,
0: don't, yeah. I don't need you here. That's like someone proposing to someone at their friend's wedding.
2: Yeah, it's nuts. Yeah. List of Well, my computer's we about to die, so we should probably end here.
1: Yes. Okay, quick. Last question. What is your dream tour lineup?
0: If you could go on tour with any band
2: or bands. Slint, Slint Modest Mouse, Weezer, uh, N-E-R-D. There we go.
0: Nice. Weezer. I freaking yeah. love Weezer, man.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. Or like N-E-R-D. If it's dead or alive, I'd go N-E-R-D, run the Jewels, Beastie Boys. Ooh. <laughs> yes.
0: There we go. Love it.
2: All right. My computer's about to die. better go. Okay,
0: sounds good. Well, Thanks thank so, you so for much joining for joining us, Cam. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Check out eloquilt.com, HopeCartel.com. And uh, you know what? Let's just get check out Spotify I don't know
0: yeah Spotify there we How's go all, looks, all streaming services check it out
2: yeah uh, uh. Walgreens if you have a Walgreens in your area go support I don't know
0: yeah yeah but support CBS. your local businesses in Ohio
2: yeah and everywhere so else and roll, this episode was brought to you by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland Ohio the second best Elvis exhibit in America
0: yes <laughs> there we go <laughs>
1: Thanks,
0: <laughs> well thank Cam. you so
2: much for uh,
1: talking with us Cam Take Thank care. You. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to On Tour with.
0: If you like what you heard, consider leaving us a comment and a like.
1: You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at On Tour with Pod,
0: and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching for On Tour with Podcast.
1: We'll be back next week with a new episode. Until then,
0: thanks for riding along. But it might be the
2: only move you got.